How many of you remember that anticipation that you had for Christmas when you were a kid? Right? Like now, here's what happens. Like, like back then, Christmas could not come fast enough, right? Now I, I just want to what? I want to slow down. Like I want to enjoy every moment. I want to enjoy every tradition. I want to enjoy every meal. I just want to enjoy it all. A couple of years ago, we were uh, in my parents' house for Thanksgiving, and we're driving back home, and my daughter was, was like three at the time, and she said, Dad, she goes, Thanksgiving's over, right? And I said, yeah, it's over, and she goes, tomorrow's Christmas, and she like shouted it out in this little like Brooklyn accent that she had at the time, and I'm like, sweetie, I said, tomorrow's November 25th, we, we have to wait till December 25th, and she goes, Dad, what's a 25th? And like in her little mind, like Thanksgiving's over, it's Christmas time, right? And we all go through that when we were kids. It just could not come fast enough. How many of you had one of those advent calendars? Like Michelle just asked about that. Any of you guys have an advent calendar or you still have one? No judgment if you still have like a chocolate every day. Good for you. Um, I, I was at the store the other day. They have these Lego advent calendars. Have you seen those? I'm like, that's so cool. Like I wish, we, we, got, we had this family. I was a pastor's kid growing up. And we had this family every year that would give us these advent calendars. And you'd open them up and there was like a chocolate each day. And I'm pretty sure it was from Russia. And here's why. Like, all the writing was in Russian on the back. And uh, there was, like, you know, like, all the, the spaceships had USSR on them. You know, I, don't, I don't know how old it was. And there wasn't, like, Rocky Balboa. There was Ivan Dragic or whatever his name was. Like, I was the only kid that cried when Rocky lost, in, in, you know, to, to the I'm kidding. I didn't. I don't, don't judge me right now. You're like, we're out of here. This is not a church for us. But I, we, we all had this anticipation, this great anticipation of Christmas, this great anticipation of God's arrival, God coming to earth and celebrating this amazing day. What, what is still one of my favorite days, there were a couple that had lived their entire lives in great anticipation. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn there to, to Luke chapter 1. And, and it's here we see this couple that they're waiting. They're waiting in anticipation, not for Christmas, but they're waiting for God to show up. They've been waiting their entire lives for God to move. They've been waiting for God to do only what he can do. And the entire time, they've been faithful to God. They've been obedient. They've been obedient to God's word. They did all they could to live out everything that he said. Now, here's what's unique about this. I'll explain this more in a moment. But most people in their era had walked away from God. Most people have chosen not to pursue God. Most people had said, you know what? We're, we're, we're done with God. You see, in this day and age, they were in this, this uh, period of 400 years of silence. They're waiting for God to speak. God's not speaking. And so many people walk away from their faith. It's kind of maybe like today. We see a lot of people that choose to say, man, it's, it's a lot easier to live for all these other things. I'm not going to live for God. But this couple, they, their names were Zachariah and Elizabeth. They chose to wait for God. They chose to wait as long as possible for God to move. And here's what I want us to remember today, that as we wait on God, and for many of you, you're waiting on God for something. Maybe it's to get married. You're saying, I, I want to meet, meet my future wife. I want to meet my future husband. Maybe it's for a new job. Maybe it's for a deal to come through. Maybe you're estranged from your kids, and you've been praying and contending for God to bring your kid or your son or your daughter back home, and you're waiting on God. And we have to remember that silence is not stillness. As we wait on God and there's silence that, that he's still moving. And in the middle of it all, we see this. We see this couple that has wrestled and they've agonized and they've gone through it and they're still waiting on God and they're still faithful to God. And so I want us to pick this up in verse five of Luke chapter one. 
named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So, so what the Bible is telling us is that they are both the, the, the kids of priests. In other words, they're, they're, they're preacher kids. They're pastor's kids. Now, I was a pastor's kid. My wife was a pastor's kid. Miraculously, somehow, we still love Jesus like our parents did it right. But I knew a lot of PKs growing up that were scary, right? Like, if you know pastor's kids, some of them are really scary. It's like the Bloods and the Crips, and then the last gang is like the PKs, and you don't want to mess with them. Like, they're crazy. They'll pull a knife on you in church. Don't go there with them. But we pray all the time, God, what would our kids, would they love you like Zachariah and Elizabeth loved you? In the midst of it all, they still chose God. Verse 6, it says, Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So both of them are doing it right. Both of them are living according to God's word. They're, they're living out all these rules. And, and what it's talking about is in the Bible, there's this book called Leviticus that's filled with 613 different laws. Doesn't that sound exhausting to you? Like 613? Like, I just want to like, you know, drive the speed limit and, you know, not do anything illegal. And they had to live by all these laws. Now, Many of us reread the Bible and we come to the book of Leviticus. If you've ever read through the Bible in a year and you're like, I'll oh, skip this, you know, it's really not that important, right? They didn't just read it, they lived it out for 400 years. It's this period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and God had been quiet, He had been silent, He wasn't speaking at all. And so they were waiting on God for 400, not them, but like the generations before them. They're not 400 years old. They're, they're older, but they're not 400 years old. They're waiting on God. And then it tells us this, that in the midst of their waiting, it says, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. So the question is, man, how is this working out for you? You've been obedient to God. You've been faithful to God. You've lived according to his word and his promise given you. Do you ever feel that way? Like, man, God, I try to do all that I can to, to be obedient. I try to do all that I can to live according to your word. I, try to do, I just try to be the best that I can be to glorify you and honor you. And the one thing, the one thing that I'm asking for, God, I'm still waiting on. I'm grateful for all these other things in my life. I'm grateful for all the things that you've done. But it's like this one tiny thing I'm asking for, I'm believing for, I'm waiting for, I'm praying for. And it, it just hasn't come. For Zachariah and Elizabeth, they had waited their lives. They're well along in their years now, and there's no baby coming. How many of you know that when you qualify for AARP, you're not going to be having any babies anymore? And if any of you want a baby, you can borrow ours. I mean, we'll just like loan them to you. You know, if, if you're ready for more kids, you can just watch ours anytime you want. Here's the challenge, though. In this culture, to be child, that they literally meant that you were disgraced by God. They, they, they believed that for some reason, if you had no children, that you were disgraced by God. And not just them, especially the woman. So here's Elizabeth, her entire life, she's trying to do all that she can to live for God, and she feels this great disgrace in her life. God, the one thing, I've done everything you've asked, and, and, and now everyone around me thinks that there's something wrong with me, thinks that there's like some secret issue in my life. For decades, they've been praying for a pregnancy. 
For decades, they've been praying, God, could, could this be the day? Could this be the season? Could this be the year that day, week after week, season after season, decade after decade, God did not fulfill? God did not deliver the one thing that they were asking for. Now, here's what's unique about this. Let me explain this to you because I talked about these, these 400 years of silence, but, but you can go back even further. 2,000 years earlier, God gives this promise to Abraham. If you've not heard of Abraham, he, he was a guy that lived by faith. They call him the father of the faith. And God gives him this promise as he's a senior citizen that he's going to have a son. And just like if God said that to you, you would laugh. God, there's no way. There's no way this is going to happen. And the Bible tells us this in Genesis chapter 12. It says, I will make you into a great nation. This is God's promise to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I mean, think about that promise. I will curse those who treat you with content. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. I mean, that's a powerful promise for God to make. That last part I want us to see, God says all people will be blessed. All families will be blessed through you. God speaks to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. 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 And Abraham waits patiently for God, and God finally gives him a son. He's between the ages of 99 and 100 when he has a son, when he holds a son. Like, I'm the 38. The, the, the thought of having a baby right now, like, just exhausts me, right? Like, like, I'm too tired for that. I can't imagine being 60 years older and having a child. And maybe it's just because none of our kids slept, you know? Like, they're like, they just run on Red Bull, even though we don't give them any of that stuff. They're just high-energy kids. The thought of having a kid 60 years from now, that's exhausting to me. But we would do it just like you would do it. But Abraham waits, and then God gives him a son. And then his son has a son, and his son's son has a son. And what happens? He has 12 sons, and they become this great nation. They become this nation, but the problem is they're in slavery. So this great nation, that number, 400 years, they wait in slavery until God sends all these miracles. He delivers them, and then he takes them into this promised land. And then he gives him a king. The first king's not good. His name's Saul. He just wasn't a good leader. Uh, the second king was a great leader. His name was David. He was a man after God's heart. David was king. And under David, the nation begins to blossom. It begins to grow. It begins to flourish. And then David has a son. His name is Solomon. Solomon was one, what they say, the wealthiest, wisest person to ever live. Not just in his day and age, like in any day and age. And under Solomon, the nation just explodes. Like Israel becomes like known. They become a force. They become the nation that every other nation wants to be like. And so what happens, the leaders start traveling across the known world to meet with Solomon, to learn from Solomon, to get his wisdom. And if any time that God should have said, this is the time for me to establish these promises, that should have been the time. That would have been or could have been the best time. The nation's like at its peak. And what happens? Not long after Solomon, the nation's divided. And then the nation gets overthrown again and again and again and again. Listen to this, 25 times, 25 times the nation of Israel is overthrown. It's overthrown by Syrians, Babylonians, Persians, Greeks. I mean, they're a mess. And eventually, it's obvious. The best days are not in front of them, they're, they're behind them. 
Do you ever feel that way about life? The best days are now behind them. No hope whatsoever when, when there's none of that stuff. I mean, they are as good as done. And God says, I'm now going to bring about the promise I've given you. Here's what I love about the Lord. God is always about doing something new. And, and so often we think, oh, man, you should choose that person or that, that person. They're, they're so talented. They're, they're, they're so gifted. And God says, no, I'm going to choose this person. You're like, God, why that person? And God says, because they're faithful. They're faithful to me, and because they're faithful to me, I know that they can, they can handle what I'm about to give them. And so God chooses not this famous young couple. He chooses this couple that really is down and out. They want to remind you. He says, I'm going to now fulfill, you, fulfill my promises through you. And today I want to remind you that many people turn from God. But God calls us to be faithful. Many people believe differently. And they just say, God, this has taken way too long. I'm moving on. But God calls us to be faithful. Many people choose to live differently. They're saying, you know what? I tried the God thing. I tried the church thing. I tried the prayer thing. I tried the reading my Bible thing. Nothing happened. In fact, things often got worse. So I'm just going to choose to live differently. Life is short. I'm going to live for myself. Many people even turn to other religions. But God invites us and he asks us to be faithful. And then he starts something new. And this is what I want us to see, verse 8. It says, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter into the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid. If you've ever read the Bible, you'll, you'll see that's like the standard response of angels, right? Like, do not be afraid. Now, sometimes I talk to Christians and like, man, pastor, it would be amazing. I would love, I would just love to see an angel. And like the, what they talk about, it reminds me of like when you see a Christmas tree get lit for the first time, right? Like it's like we decorate our tree and then we plug in the lights and like we can see it in the full glory, right? Like some of you went down to Georgetown or to Round Rock, you went to the tree lighting ceremonies that they have to see the tree being lit. And I think we, see, we think of like an angel would be like that. Do you ever wonder why people, why, why every angel says, do not be afraid? It's because you and I would pee our pants if we saw an angel. We would need to have depends on. Like, we would be so filled with fear and awe and every other emotion associated with that if we saw an angel. Like, forget about it. And this is Zachariah. The angel says, do not be afraid. Verse 13, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. The angel says, Zachariah, you've watched in your lifetime. Many people walk away. Now your son, your son's going to be the one that are going to help lead them back. You've watched 
a nation. You've watched generations walk away from God. Now it's going to be your son, Zechariah, that's going to bring them all back to this great message of who God is. It's going to be your son. He's going to be the great messenger. And then it says this, verse 17. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. How many of you want that on your kids? Like, I mean, man. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is well along in her years. Guys, write this down. This is, this is brilliant right here, okay? Notice what he says. He says, I'm old. He doesn't say she's old. He says, I'm old, and she's, well, she's like, she, she's, she's, she's well advanced in her year. Like, you know, like that's a freebie. As you get older, you should use that one. I'm going to use that one. He says, man, I'm so glad that God has heard us. But, but there's no way. He begins to question the angel of God. He begins to doubt. The angel of, for a moment, you're literally talking to God. You're, you're praying, and suddenly the angel of God is next to you? Like, wouldn't you just listen to everything he said? But Zachariah begins to argue. He begins to doubt. He begins to wrestle. He's like, there's no way. Like, it's just not possible. Like, we won't get into the science of that here because there's kids in the room. But he's just saying that this is not possible right now. And the angel responds, he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. He's saying, Zechariah, are, are you foolish? Nothing is impossible for God. A moment ago, you were literally like crying like a schoolgirl. You're literally like afraid. You're, you're freaking out. And now here you are. And you're questioning me? I mean, I, I'm, I'm the messenger of God. And then he responds, he said, but now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. How many of you growing up, uh, how many of you found your Christmas presents before Christmas? Like unwrapped, like you discovered them. How many of you played with those toys before couple honest people, okay? I like you guys. I'm with you. I, I, one year, I think I was four or five, I discovered the, the place that my parents hid our toys. We had, we had this laundry room, and it was above the cabinets in the laundry room. And they hid the, 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 our toys every year there. And so I would go in there, and I would play with my toys, but before Christmas. One year, I broke one of my toys. Like, I opened it, I'm actually all shocked. Like, how did this get broken, you know? I spent more time in those years in the laundry room than I have in like the 30 years since. I mean, it's just like, forget about it, right? But when you get it on Christmas, you get to keep it. When you get it on Christmas, it's, it's the day, it's the appointed time. You're supposed to wait until Christmas till you get the gifts. And what the angel is saying is he's saying, listen, God has an appointed time for everything. Just like we have a Christmas is, is the appointed day is December 25th. God's timing is different. So what he's saying to Zachariah is he's saying, listen, everything that God promised will come to pass. Every promise of God is yes and amen. But listen, Zachariah, a long time ago, God had this day, this moment, and there was a calendar. 
A long time ago, before, not when the nation was great, not when there was David or there was Solomon, not when there was Joshua or Moses, not when they were coming out of, not any of these other kinds of times. This time, now is the time for God to move. It's his appointed time. And you imagine for Zechariah, the wheels began to turn. He began to discover, he began to realize that all along, God had been hearing his prayers. All along, God had been listening to him. You see, I think sometimes, because we're not good at listening, or at least I'm not good at listening, I put that back on God. Like, my weakness is God's weakness. Because I'm not good at listening, then maybe he's not good at listening. And the reality is that God is great at listening. How many times have you prayed a prayer and then you forgot about it, and then God answers that prayer. There have been times that I've literally prayed prayers, and I, then I, I just forgot about it. And weeks or months or years down the road, God answered that prayer. It's like, wow, God, you're moving all along. It's God's appointed time. I love to do this with my wife. Like, my favorite way to buy her gifts at Christmas or a birthday is, is to surprise her. Like, we'll be walking through the store, and, and she'll be like, man, I just, I love that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And, like, behind my back, I'm taking photos. Like, so I remembered it to, 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 you know, I'm really good at taking photos. Like, if you want a photo like this, I'll, I'll take a great photo of you. But uh, I love surprising her. Like, I just, I just, like, brush it off. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, like she, has, she doesn't think I'm paying attention. And then she opens it, and she's surprised. Like, I love those kinds of gifts. I think that's the way our God is. When we don't anticipate, when we don't think, when we're like, there's no way, God's saying there is a way. And I got this. And I want to give you this great gift. And so then it says this in verse 21 as we uh, begin to wrap this up this morning. So long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zachariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. Listen to what she says to God. She says, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. As amazing as this is, this was just the warm-up act. This is just the, the, the gift before the gift. It's like the appetizer before the meal. It's like the band before the band you really went to go see. God's saying, I'm giving you this gift. As badly as you've wanted a son, as badly as you've wanted a child, I'm going to give you this gift. But then I'm going to give you an even greater gift. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's going to turn the world upside down. You see, I love the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth because I think their story is our story. I think their dilemma is our dilemma. Do we believe or do we not believe? Do we live according to his calling or do we not? Do we serve God and choose to, to obey him or do we live for ourselves? Do we give and live lives of generosity or do we just become consumers? Do, do we follow the calling of God on our life when everyone else says, don't do it? Do we say yes to God when everyone else is telling us no? In that deal that you're going through right now, you know, like, you, you, could, you could kind of be a little bit shady in it. It's not against the law, but, but you're going to bend some rules just a little bit to make it happen. Are you going to live with integrity? For those of you that are students, you know that there's this exam and there's a project. You know everyone's cheating on it. 
Are you going to be the one person that says, am I going to live with integrity? Regardless of the grade I get, my integrity is more important than the outcome of the grade I receive. When everyone else is doing one thing and God says, I'm calling you to do something else, do we say yes to God? Do we obey? Do we find our integrity? It's the tension that so many before us and even those after us will walk through. The tension of living for God, living wholeheartedly, sold out, committed to him. I was in a situation recently where I was with a bunch of people that I've known for about 15 years. And a lot of those people I haven't really stayed in contact with. And I'm just talking to person after person after person. And and the question always comes up after you talk about your kids, that they all want to know how's the church going and then how's mission and 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 then and then people I'm like, are you where are you going to church at? And it was like Christian after Christian after Christian was like, well, we're not really going to church. Like we'll we'll watch something online or um, you know, Sundays we just love to like pray and sleep in and just honor God. I mean, we're just obeying God with the, you know, by, by getting rest. He told us to rest, so we're just going to rest. We're not going to go to church. Man, well, like, tell me about your daily relationship. Well, you know, it's just like, like life has gotten so busy. I just don't have time to read the Bible. I mean, I, I pray to God on my way to work. We pray before our meals, right? Are we going to be different? I think that sometimes... I think all the time there's temptation to put other things above God. Like to put God on the back burner. Like what really is on the throne of our lives? Is it us? Or is it someone or something else? Sometimes it's not even sin, it's just distraction. There are so many distractions. Just just open up your phone. We have, I have 150 apps on my phone. How do I use 150? I don't. So many distractions. Am I going to look at that or am I going to stay in God's word? Those times that I felt set aside to, to, to pray. Man, it's like, man, there's this great new show that came out on Disney+. Plus. Am I really going to put God above that or am I going to watch the show for an hour? God, I, I, I want to pray for an hour, but man, you don't know how good the show that just came out is. Are we going to put God first? Are we going to establish him? I was talking to someone this week, and they said, what, what, what's your hope for Mission Church? I said, my hope is that we would come to church every Sunday, and that we would go be the church Monday through Saturday. That we would come and encounter Jesus together on Sunday, and that we would go be Jesus Monday through Saturday. That we would be the most empowered people on planet Earth. But it starts in this relationship with Jesus. We can't give people what we don't already have. So if we're not prioritizing God daily and weekly, on Sundays, and then on every morning, it's really easy to lose sight of what matters. Zachariah and Elizabeth were different. They were different because they chose God when everyone else said, we're not choosing God any longer. They said, we're going to stay the course. As we conclude, I want to share three things I think that's so important for us today. The first is that we choose our convictions. If you don't choose your convictions, someone else will choose your convictions for you. We need to be people that choose our convictions according to God's word, according to his truth. I believe this, that our convictions chart the course of our lives. 
Years ago, I was serving in a church, and I was talking to this guy, and, and he said, man, he said, I, I don't know why my wife left me. I said, I'll tell you why she left you. I said, your wife left you because she wanted to be the spiritual leader of your home. Your wife left you because she wanted you to pray with her, and she wanted you to read the Bible. I said, and, and for two years, your wife fought and fought and fought and fought. I said, you got to be the spiritual leader in the home. God saved their marriage. I mean, it was incredible because he chose to do that. But two years earlier, he chose not to do that. Our convictions chart the course of our lives. What we say yes to today, what we say no to today, will have a huge emphasis on the rest of our lives. Allow God to establish those convictions and then live those out. The second truth, I believe, is that we need to choose to be blameless, just like Zachariah and Elizabeth did, that we choose to say at the end of the day, despite all the circumstances, I'm gonna do my best to live according to God and his word. I'm gonna live a life that's blameless. I was reading this week in my Bible in John 14, and Jesus says this commandment several times in 14 and 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, and I know all the time we're like, man, God, I love you. I love you so much. But are we keeping his commands? Are we obeying his word? Are we doing the very things he told us to do? Choose to be blameless. And then the third and final thing that I think is so important for us is that we choose to enjoy the anticipation. We choose to enjoy the anticipation. I know this is going to sound countercultural to everything because I go to Chick-fil-A and I hate waiting in the line at Chick-fil-A. And it's like the fastest line in all of fast food, right? I mean, they got you like, they got people on headsets in the parking lot making, taking your order. I mean, they're fast. I still hate waiting for Chick-fil-A in line. We hate waiting on anything. But, but here's the thing. Remember what I said a few moments ago when we were kids, like Christmas couldn't come fast enough? But now as you get older, like you want it to slow down? Like, like think about this for a moment. What if we approached God the same way we approached Christmas? Because now I, I, I love the anticipation of Christmas. What if we enjoyed the anticipation of waiting for God like we enjoyed the anticipation of waiting for a day? I mean, what if we just waited well? What if we just said, God, I'm going to wait well on you. So I want to wait well. I want to have joy as I wait with anticipation for what it is that you're going to do. I believe this, that waiting on God is never a waste of time. Waiting on God is never a waste of time. So as you wait for God, know that you're not wasting your time. Today you might be here and you might be struggling in your faith. You might say, I just feel like my faith is misplaced. I want to remind you that Christmas is the season it's a reminder that our faith in God is not misplaced because his promise after 400 years of silence came to be. I heard this story a few years ago about Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He was a famous American poet and in 1860, he was at the height of his success. He was one of the most well-known, most established writers in our country. And then in 1860, right before Christmas, there was a fire in his home. The fire took the life of his wife, and it was so intense. It was so severe that as he rushed back in to save her, he was burned so badly, he couldn't even attend her own funeral. 
that year, earlier that year, uh, President Lincoln was elected to be the president of, of our nation. And it was a time of great hope. It was a time that, that all these things that needed to get set right were going to get set right with slavery and all these other issues. And he was excited until later that year when we went to war. And his son, his son ran away to join the Union Army. And, and, and that next year he was severely wounded and he came home right for Christmas. And he wrote these words in his diary. He wrote, how inexpressibly sad are the holidays. His wife was gone. His son's life hang in the balance. And then he sat down and he began to write these words, which are now a famous Christmas carol that we sing often. He said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then he wrote this final part, the part that you and I now know. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. What took him from a place of, of writing with such despair to now being filled with hope and peace once again? He came back to the reality that even though he had lost his wife, even though his son's life was right hanging in the balance, he knew that God was still good, that God was still just, that God was still on the throne. And as he waited upon God, he knew that God was still active and he was moving in his life. Just like Zachariah and Elizabeth, even though he was silent, he knew God was still there. And then he wrote these words. He said, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall to men. Today, I want to remind you that your faith in God is not misplaced. I want to remind you that no matter what you're going through, that your God is still there. If you have a relationship with him, he's not lost sight of you. You're not missing. He knows exactly where you are. and He knows exactly what you're going through. Perhaps you're here today and you're just like Zachariah or just like Elizabeth. And you feel like you're holding on to hope. It's like the thinnest possible thread. Today you'd say, Ezra, I just, I don't even know if I can make it through to tomorrow. Today I want to remind you that your God is for you. That he's not against you. He's committed to you. Today, you might say, I, I've been praying my whole life. I've been praying this whole year. I've been praying this whole season for God, and, and he's not answered. He's been so silent. And today, I too want to remind you that even in the silence, God is not stopped. Even in what seems like stillness, God is still moving. He's still on the throne. He's still king. He's going to return. And every promise we read about in his word, every promise he's given you that lines up with his word, it'll come to pass. So trust and wait. And don't just wait. Wait with anticipation. 